Episode 210 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. Every aspect of the American economy has been impacted by the pandemic. Certainly commercial and residential real estate have seen changes. Dr. Stan Longhofer holds the Stephen L. Clark Chair of Real Estate and Finance at the Barton School of Business at WSU. He's also the founding director for WSU's Center for Real Estate. He joins me on the podcast today to tell us about what he's seeing in the real estate market. First, let me fill you in on the big story in the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Family businesses are part of the backbone of our economy. This week, we recognized 18 Wichita companies in our annual Family Business Awards. It's really interesting to hear the backstory on some of these companies. You can see profiles of all of them in this week's Wichita Business Journal or at wichitabusinessjournal.com in the weekly edition that starts on page 11. Also this week, a table of experts discussion on aging care. We gathered local experts to talk about the state of aging care and how those facilities have done during the pandemic. That begins on page 29. This week's list, Kansas lobbyists. Always interesting to see what organizations and industries are spending to influence legislation. That's on page eight. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One significant way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly leads section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 37. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Stan, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I want to ask you about both the commercial and the residential sides of the real estate market. Let's start with the commercial side. And if you could go back to pre-pandemic days, what did the market look like back in 2019 before the pandemic? Well, the markets, commercial real estate markets around the Wichita area were very solid prior to the pandemic. Um, you know, perhaps the defining feature. Uh, was really just the way we've had historically low cap rates. And so market prices for investment real estate have, have continued to be really, really strong. And, and so you know investors are, are really scratching and looking. There's a lot of cash looking for deals. Um, and that really hasn't changed in the wake of the pandemic. Uh, the question in terms of the pandemic has been, what will this do to the demand in for users of real estate, how you know, will office users be looking for less space or something different? Uh, will this have a fundamental change in retail that will change that? And from an investment perspective, then that changes what will the rents that we'll be able to get, the occupancy rates, and therefore the income that the real estate will be able to uh, be able to generate. But you know, in terms of, of cash looking for deals, that's just something that hasn't changed at all. Were there any areas of commercial that were 
particularly strong back then that are not as strong now? Um, you know, it's, it, it really is, it varies a lot based on very specific sub-market categories, okay? And a lot of the cases that we're dealing with are trends that were already in the works, and it's just a question of how that continues or is amplified. So for instance, um, you know, small local retail establishments um, obviously were affected very heavily during the pandemic and, and struggled a great deal. Many of the stimulus programs that were in place really ended up being essential to keep them operating and in business. Um, but you know, how much will people's changes to more online purchases, which again, that's not something that was new during the pandemic. It's simply a, a, a trend that accelerated at a, at a much faster pace. Um, my personal viewpoint is that um, people, there are still going to be types of retail where in-person experience is going to be essential. Um, whether that's personal services, um, restaurants, um, uh, you know, things like that are, are places where you just cannot replicate that experience in the same way online. Uh, no one is going to go to an online massage therapist, right? right. That, that's going to be a service that will continue. And so uh, you know, owners of retail properties do have to adapt and figure out who are the right tenants that, that have long-term viability um, but I also am actually a big believer in, um, in bricks and mortar retail, having a, a, a continuing niche place in an online world. You know, it's a question of, is this a product that a customer really wants to touch and feel and experience? And so clothing, you know, all clothing shopping is not going to go online. Uh, there's going to be a place where people still want that experience. Um, even, you know, electronics and things like that, which have been the, the forefront of, of, of um, online shopping prior to the pandemic, you know, there, there's, a, there's a trend that's called, you know, warehousing where, you, or, uh, where you're looking and you're seeing what is, uh, you know, you want to go in and you want to showroom, you want to go in and see the showroom and then you're going to go back and order online. Well, you know, Best Buy has actually done reasonably well in terms of adapting and, and, and adjusting to meeting prices that people can find online and so forth. And, and the value of having a place where you're able to um, go touch the product, feel it, take it back in person if you need to. You don't have to deal with shipping. I, I think that value continues, but that doesn't change the broad wash trend of larger and larger percentages of people's purchases being online. And so what I think we see with these things is that um, even in grocery, we see this, right? A smaller and smaller footprint of the in-shopping, in-person experience, which is still going to be there, and more of the backside warehouse experience in terms of the ability to you know, pick up your groceries or, or or be able to have them delivered. And so that's really a reallocation of space more than it is a, a, a reduction of how much space is required for the operation. Seems like we've done a lot of stories in the last year in the Wichita market about uh, apartment complexes, multifamilies uh, being sold. It sounds like those investors, as you say, have cash and they're looking for investments and maybe going to multifamily rather than office or some of the other 
areas of the commercial real estate? Well, I, I think the short answer is they're looking for anything where they have a deal. So they'll right. go to office, they'll go to industrial. The challenge is the prices are so high that it's hard to see whether or not you can earn a reasonable return when you go and, and purchase the investment. Um, apartments obviously have the attractiveness that you have. They're able to constantly reset rents based on what's happening in the market. And of course, housing demand, both owner-occupied and renter-occupied, has been just absolutely spectacular over the last, again, not a new trend. It's things that were happening prior to the pandemic, but, but have continued to, to go strong in the pandemic. And especially when you're talking about those class A, top of the market apartments, they continue to do very, very well, sometimes even with waiting lists for occupancy. Um, the place where I sometimes have concern is with you know, what will happen to those older class B, class C apartment properties that maybe don't have all the amenities that the newer properties that are being put on the market have. But again, when I talk with property managers and investors around town, they say they're still maintaining their occupancy. They really haven't had large issues during the pandemic with with uh, you know eviction moratoria or anything that they they're not having a big issue there at least in the you know upper half of the apartment market. Seems like we've heard a lot of discussion about people working from home and that changing the uh, the way the office looks mm-hmm. and that market perhaps uh, we saw Fidelity decide to hold off on that ten story building downtown. What do you think is going on there and? Do you think we're in for a big shift in office space? You know, I, I tend to be more sanguine about the future of office. Um, again, I think one side benefit of everything that we experienced in the pandemic is that it forced us to experiment in radical ways with what we do. And some of those changes, we may say, oh, we want to continue that. And others, we will say never again if we can avoid it. Um, and so with respect to office users, the, the things that I hear from different businesses, it really depends on the function of the group that you're talking about working from home. Um, when I talk, for instance, with mortgage lenders and their back office functions, the underwriting and the mortgage loan processing, I've had several say we're never bringing them back in the office again because they're working more efficiently. But if you think about what that group does, they tend to work individually and they go and they process a loan file and they make lots of phone calls and lots of verifications and put all the information together to pass on to an underwriting committee. Um, If you contrast that, they don't have a lot of interaction with other colleagues at the office that's really essential for them to be able to complete their jobs well. Um, moreover, it's really easy to monitor and track their productivity. How many loan files are you processing and are they being processed accurately? And so that's a really ideal type of job function that can be moved to remote work with very few concerns. Uh, but you contrast that with a lot of, op- of, of businesses where they really miss and need the interaction, often very informal, among the different employees that can spur all sorts of changes and ideas about how to expand their product, how to do things better. 
And it's really, really difficult to um, inculcate and spread your corporate culture when people do not spend time together. Um, and then obviously it depends on the individual. There are some people who really like the possibility of working at home. There are some people who have good situations where they can work at home. And there are others where it's really, really difficult for them or they just miss being around people. Um, one of the other pieces that I think businesses will have to really come to terms with in terms of people working from home is are they going to invest in the technology necessary for their employees to work from home effectively? And so I think we've all been in Zoom meetings where there are people who keep dropping out because they just don't have sufficient internet to be able to maintain that connection. Well, if you're asking your employee to work from home and that's the arrangement that you're making, is it not the employer's responsibility then to help make sure the employee has the computer, the internet connection and the other equipment necessary to do that effectively? So there are costs that direction as well. It looks like well, this is something we'll be watching, especially over the next couple of years as things shake out uh, post-pandemic. Moving now to residential, Stan, we saw an active market even before the pandemic, didn't we? It was especially in certain price points. Yeah, when, when, when you talked to me two years ago about what was happening in the market as we got ready for 2019, we just said, it's crazy. We've never seen anything like this. There's, it just seems impossible for the market to get tighter. And um, it has gotten, it, it's made 2019 seem like a very peaceful time with what we've had. But I think the thing that's really important for people to keep in mind, and of course you see all the national stories that are going on. The issue here, at least in markets across Kansas, is not excess demand. It's not that somehow people are going nuts and they're wanting to buy real estate and they're, they're going crazy over real estate. Demand has continued to grow at a steady, healthy, normal clip. The challenge has been supply. We just have not added housing to the market at a level that we've needed for now close to 15 years to be able to satisfy the demand in certain quality or product segments, we just don't have it. And so that's what makes it feel like it's nuts is that for those who are out trying to buy, they're just not able to find what they want. You know, median days on market last month, I believe was three days um, in the Wichita market. And that was just ridiculously low. It, it's just, we never could have ever imagined anything like that. It has been crazy. And you hear about some of those that's the average three days. You hear about some that get offers even before they actually hit the market. Uh, sure. it's, it's wild to see that happening in Kansas City, too. And it looks like Oklahoma City to a, a certain extent. Right. Um, but it's important to recognize that these are, this is not entirely new. So um, I think three years ago, uh, two and a half years ago, when I did my real estate roundtable with realtors up in Kansas City, one of the agents said, when I have a home that's in the right price range and it's in the right neighborhood and all those things, I will now tell my seller, take the weekend, go for a vacation. We'll put the market on, we'll put the house on the market on Thursday. We'll let people view it on Friday and Saturday. 
And then you come home Sunday and we'll sit together and we'll look at all the offers you have and pick one and it'll be sold by Sunday. And that's what was happening. And that's prior to the pandemic and everything that when people have really been talking about how crazy it is, it was there before. That is amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> a great way to sell a house, isn't no it? No kidding. No kidding. Um, is there a certain price point in, in Wichita or price range that's really hot? You know, we used to say between, say, 150 and 300 um, prior to about a year and a half ago that you know, that, you know, once you got into upper price points, it was starting to get um, a little bit more flush. It's totally changed. Um, even at, you know, even with a million dollars in up homes, there's only a three month supply, which is what we would call a seller's market from a statistical standpoint. Um, you know, Certainly, as you get up to, say, the $400,000 price range, we're looking at a month's supply that's less than one month. Wow. And so that means that on average, the pace of sales, if we sold the normal amount of homes we've been selling over the past year, we would sell out of every single home that's currently listed in less than a month. Incredible. Well, where do you see things going for 2021 and maybe beyond? Is, is, are there market factors that would that would change this? Yeah, so it, you know, it's not going to be a quick fix uh, to the market. Um, I, I really see ultimately that what we have to have is first of all, more new home construction. And uh, to, to quote, as I, I love to do the, you know, the, the late great Jack DeBoer, um, it's not that we're overbuilt, it's that we're under demolished. And sometimes people will ask, you say we need more housing. Why do we need to build more homes? Well, the issue isn't so much about what the number of houses that we have. It's a question of whether those houses meet the needs and desires of the buyers that are in the market. And in some cases, we have older housing stock that needs to be repurposed to something else. And so in terms of those homes that are, um, again, in the the functional category in terms of size, layout, um, condition that people are really interested in buying, we need to continue to build more of it. The challenge that we've had and the reason that we haven't seen more building over the past six or seven years is that at, in the wake of the housing crisis back in 2007, um, we did not see a big drop in home prices here in Wichita. When our prices declined ever so slightly and then stayed flat for five or six years. And during that time, construction costs continued to go up, the cost of materials and the cost of labor. And so as a result, um, what you could buy with a new home versus what you could buy in an existing home had really become there, there was a wedge that was driven between them. And so for a lot of years, most of the new homes that were being built in the Wichita area, and again, this is true across the state, were custom homes. There were people at more of the upper end of the market who wanted what they wanted and they were willing to pay a premium for it. But we weren't building what people might've called entry-level new homes, say between 150 and 250 or 300,000 just weren't able to build that 
to the point where somebody was buying in that price range, the amount of house they could get for an existing home was a lot more house than what they'd get from a new home. Well, over the past few years, existing home prices have finally begun to pick up again and have really accelerated here recently. And that is making it easier for new homes to compete with the existing home side of the market. Um, in fact, in the Wichita area, we just uh, about a week ago had the um, first quarter numbers were released and Wichita area home prices on average rose by 8% between the first quarter of 2000 and the first quarter of 2021. Wow. So really, really, I mean, that's, that's just un, unthinkable home price appreciation in the Wichita market. Right. But I really think in some ways that's making up for lost time. And that in some respects, we've gotten spoiled by home prices that are incredibly cheap compared to what people are paying nationwide. And especially when you compare it to the cost of new construction, you just can't rebuild the house for the, um, you know, if, if a tornado came, heaven forbid, and, and blew down my house, there's no way I'd be able to rebuild it for what it's worth on the market today. And so, you know, building costs and ho existing home values can only get so far apart before they have to, to, to normalize. And I think that's what we're seeing with the appreciation right now. That will help matters. By having existing home prices continue to rise, that will make it easier for new built homes to be built to help meet some of that excess, that, 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 uh, that limitation, that, that inadequate supply that we have. It'll help fill that. And it also, um, it also, I think, will help unlock a few more potential sellers who are willing to put their homes on the market and willing to do that. Right now, one of the challenges for a lot of potential sellers is that they're afraid to be homeless. That is, they're afraid to put their house on the market and then sell it too quickly and not know where they're going to move. Right. Some of them are moving into apartments. And you know, that's part of what's driving that really, really strong demand for those very, very high-end apartments that we're seeing. Um, some of them are building new homes, uh, but, but it's going to take some time for all that to work through. Of course, building materials, we've seen the prices double, triple, and the availability uh, has been low. Uh, yeah. Where do you see, is that starting to ease? It seems like I've heard from some people that that may be easing a bit. Well, I don't think it's started to ease yet, but I do believe it will ease. So we have kind of two distinct issues that, that have been driving construction costs up. Over many years, we've had just general increases in commodity prices and in the cost of materials and in the cost of labor. Both of those have had these sort of long-term trends of increasing that's created some challenges. But here over the past year, and especially as the economy has begun to pick up again uh, after all the shutdowns, um, we do have supply chain issues that are really, really causing what I think are temporary spikes in home prices, uh, in, in, in materials costs. And so those we could very easily see a big spike in lumber, a big spike in, in uh, you know, steel, a big spike in some of these other costs 
that then will come back down, but that won't change that underlying, hey, it's still a lot more expensive to buy a home and build a home today than it was, say, five years ago or six years ago. So many different things going on in real estate on the commercial side, on the residential side, building materials. You gave us a lot of good information today, Stan. Thanks for being with me. Oh, it's been my great pleasure. I appreciate it so much. And that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 210. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter. And thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept, well, that turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com backslash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.